What's up, everybody? This is the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert. My name is Brandon, and I am the expert. And I'm Ashlyn, and I was the betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the recovering addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. Let's start with a review. So um, this says, light in the darkest hours when listening to you three, to identify in your experiences on so many important topics and feel validated by your honesty has been the greatest gift in my recovery. As someone who was betrayed, it has genuinely helped me find that that turning point for understanding and grasp my own path for self-care. I will continue to follow along with supreme gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I like that they got the self-care out of there. We try to point that out. Absolutely. And as a reminder, these are our opinions. We're not... um, preaching scripture here and uh, these are our experiences kobe and my own and brandon's here with the expertise and also his opinion so that's right you don't have to agree with everything we say yeah in fact we like when you disagree some some we uh, what i feel like is you know to the the field of sexual addiction treatment and betrayal trauma is so new that uh, i think discussion needs to happen conversation needs to happen um, we're just actually figuring out what really works. And um, we're getting more and more information with the research. But, you know, it's it's your guys' experience, and you're throwing it out there to the world. And uh, we're figuring out more and more things that are helpful. But I think the discussion is helpful as well. Agreed. And, and another thing is everybody's experience is so different and unique in, in their relationship. So some things we, we say, some people will really say, yes, that, that's awesome. Other things they might say, no, like that's the opposite of what I want to hear. So, so yeah, that's a good reminder, Ashlyn. Super good. So speaking of that, um, our topic today is kind of a controversial one, I guess. Um, it works for some people and it doesn't for others. But what we're talking about today is, you know, whether a lie detector test is a good idea or is not a good idea. And, uh, you know, when when should it be used and when is it helpful and when is it not helpful? So, uh, you know, a a little history on this. Um, A lot of CSATs and a lot of um, therapists are going to a model where they include lie detector tests as part of their programs. So every six months or once a year, um, the the addict usually sits down and does a lie detector test. And... um, the reason behind it, do you guys, I mean, you could guess the reason behind it, right? I'm assuming it's to bring trust back into the relationship. Yeah, it's to start that process, right? Or it's just to simply get truth on the table. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you think about it. We're, we're talking about betrayal trauma. So um, the the spouse has been betrayed for a long, long time. And now she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And she doesn't know what's up and she doesn't know what's down in her relationship. And so the thinking is coming into treatment, um, you, you can have something done, a lie detector test, that can flush that out and you can get some concrete answers. And with that, you can know some things, right? So that's the thinking behind doing a lie detector test. Is It, it starts the process of at least we can know something concrete, right? So that's why, usually. Now, the ongoing lie detector test, 
Um, I think I think the reasons behind that is one to keep people accountable. Um, they know well this might get asked in a lie detector test, so I'm not going to do this thing. Um, another though is to continue to make sure that the information is getting out there for the betrayed and and so that's the the thinking. Um, I've heard of some therapists getting trained and running their own lie detector tests. Um, oh wow, that's part that of their thing. business. Yeah, okay. and. Um, I, I lean to the other side of things. I, um, I can see why a lie detector could be helpful for some people who, who are experiencing some pretty major trauma and, and there's some things that they, they need to get answers on, um, important things that have to do with basic safety in a relationship. Um, but when it comes to recovery of a relationship, I actually think some of the principles of a polygraph or doing a polygraph um, actually undermine real recovery for a relationship. And and so in my practice, we don't do polygraphs. And, and yeah, we can talk more about that. Have you guys, what's been your experience? Have, have, did you guys ever think about I never, it? I never did one. Did that ever come up in group with? It you? did come up only because other people had heard about it. Um, I wasn't something that I ever had thought of doing mm-hmm. until I was told that that's what some people do. But I remember in the beginning feeling like, how on earth am I ever going to trust him again? And right. how will I ever know all of it? Right. 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 And we chose to do a full disclosure. And I remember going into that thinking, how how is this really going to be the truth? Right. How will I really know? Because I'd been lied to for... 15 years of our our marriage. marriage. Yeah, all of our marriage. And so I didn't know what truth felt like with Kobe. Right. And and, and to to that degree, I didn't also know (laughs) what truth was for me me either. Yeah. Right. And so you had been manipulating things so much that, I mean, yeah, all these lies were built up all around you that you didn't know what what was what in the relationship. Totally. Um, So... To do a lie detector test, had somebody came to you and said, "Hey, do a lie detector test," what do you think? How do you think you would have responded to I'm that? Sure, I probably would have been defensive. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And you know, I was telling, I'm glad that we're. I'm both pretty sure, sure that. the Dukes would have been up. Uh, no, but I was telling Kobe on the way up, we had an experience before all this happened. Before we started recovery, when we were recover- doing recovery with our kids for their sexual abuse. And the polygraph was offered to our abuser from the police mm. and our abuser refused it. And I remember being so upset, totally. like, mm-hmm. how could you pass that up? It's a way for you to like tell everyone that you didn't do it. Right. right. And I remember just being like furious for probably a year, but then when it came, it's, it's weird that it doesn't even like link that that experience. And then my experience with Kobe in my own betrayal, different. it felt very different. Huh. Interesting. So I don't know. I don't know that I would have thought it was a great idea. I know it was offered, not offered to me, but it was the idea of doing it. And I know some people in group were thinking maybe we'll go to another state and do a polygraph because they offer it in, in another state right. as part of a program. And I just, it, it wasn't something that spoke to me, I guess. So I think that it, it, it works for... To, to create some safety in, in, in for, for that individual, I don't think it works to build trust in the relationship. 
Because, I mean, think about it. If you have to ask your spouse to do a polygraph test, you know, if they if they if they pass the test with flying colors, or if they don't, are you going to trust them more afterwards? I don't know because either way, it's not a hundred percent, right? Right. You don't. You can beat it. You can. I don't know the statistics on that, but yeah, I don't know how that works. And to be honest with you, I'm not very trained in using polygraph because I, I just think that. The, the couples that I work with that do really well, um, she knows whether he's honest or not. She knows his heart. She knows that, that he's desiring honesty, that he's going out of his way to practice rigorous honesty, um, that he's, he's humble and he's open. And, and that's what actually that, – being consistent in that, that's what actually starts to rebuild the foundation of safety and trust in a relationship, not a six-month test of have you been – lying like make these major lies you know if somebody has major lies in 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 a relationship some guys are really really good i gotta say but usually you can tell anyways uh, because they're distancing themselves from their spouse um in every way that they possibly can um you know if if a spouse asks for a lie detector test a good indicator is his response to that which is okay, like I'm whatever, like I'm willing to be honest, I'm willing to be open, um, and then empathy of I that must you must really be in, in a hard place if you're asking for that, right? So if his openness and his empathy shows up, that's going to build trust a lot more than going to do the lie detector test, right? So I, you know, I I don't know if it really starts to create those foundational building blocks for a relationship. You know, I'm just listening, processing because there's a couple. I had I just had a couple of experiences, two or three, with guys that, with whom I've worked, who've done it. One guy um, did one and consented to do one because his partner was like, "I just, I, I just got to know, I got to find a, essentially find a baseline," because there was extensive travel that was involved in his employment, and so it was. Let's make sure that you know after this lengthy trip. Let's make sure that we get to a baseline. Which makes sense to me. Like totally. I need some baseline. And maybe the, the polygraph is the only thing that will get us there. And I know right. I know other people who have used that to establish um, to, to establish a, a baseline of understanding of what truth is, not necessarily about um, acting out, but simply about that the, the addict understanding how they've lived without truth and not just about acting out, but for, for, for me, it was, I, I didn't ever consider truth with you, Ashlyn, because I didn't want to get in trouble. And so after years of doing that, tr- I mean, it was never a matter of, of telling the truth. It was a matter of not getting in trouble, but that's not how you view it. You view it as like, dude, you're lying to me. And so I've seen, again, some couples use it to say, look, this behavior that you've considered self-preservation is actually lying. Right. So, so, so that there's a realization of what behavior actually is to create a baseline of like, so, this is what truth so is. so interesting how you're describing this, Kobe, because it's, it's kind of confusing. It makes sense, though, is what I'm hearing you say is that I didn't even, I didn't even think that I was lying. I just figured I was protecting myself. Because I didn't want right? to get in trouble. Which sounds like the definition of lying. <laughs> totally, right? But, 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 but you are a three year old. Totally, totally, for sure. I know. This you is like, Ashlyn's like, Brandon, welcome to our marriage for 15 years, <laughs> right? But, but, the, but the truth is, is like, when, when, 
when it started very young for me of like realizing like when I would go to the lizard part of my brain, survival, right. when I was in trouble, right. it was like, oh my gosh, am I going to be rejected and in trouble? So I would like freeze right, and then I would lie. Right. Because it was like, how do I not get in trouble? Okay, that worked. Sweet. Okay. So, so again, having, I can see how a polygraph can help someone identify their historic behavior as destructive. Okay. So you didn't do a polygraph. No. So how in the world did you make that connection? Like, that like one? super fair question. And I keep going back to, um, to my own experience with my full disclosure. And I think what was, what was a really beautiful thing was, was that process of a full disclosure to get to two truth because I had an outline that I followed. I, I had two options I could choose. I chose one, worked with Amy, my Your therapist, to, to, to outline what it was. And then I went back and read it to her. I had, to, I, I trusted her implicitly. Like she was totally safe for me. So I was like, cool, I'm just going to like put this down. What do you think? Is this okay? Okay. Then now I got to go back to draft two. Okay. I got to tweak this and fix this. And so there was, um, I was able to achieve a baseline of trust and honesty with Ashlyn by working in concert with, with Amy. And I think that's more, uh, that's probably more of the arena where you were in and where you still operate in. Right. Is, is that a, is that a fair statement? Yeah. But I mean, so doing a full disclosure and is when you do a full disclosure, what we work on with, with the addict is learning how to be rigorously honest. And so, when we go through the, just the the progression of the disease, when we go through what's happened in your life, mm-hmm. um, as a therapist, what I'm doing is I'm picking out any bit of manipulation, denial, blaming, um, minimizing things, um, so that when you present it to your spouse, it's just the facts. It's this is it. This mm-hmm. is what has happened. And what I tell the the betrayed or the spouses is. You know, you want, you, you hope that he remembers everything. You hope that he gets everything in there. But what you really want to pay attention to is, is his heart. You want, you want to see if, if his willingness is there and he's trying really hard to be as honest as he can be. Mm-hmm. And because the fact of the matter is, if, if he left something out that he did when he was 17, you know, that he, he legitimately just forgot to put in there, but he worked really hard to be as honest as he could be about as much as he possibly could, Mm -hmm. then you're going to leave that disclosure not feeling good because you never leave a disclosure feeling good. Um, But you're going to leave there thinking, oh my gosh, he's, he's maybe a trustworthy man. You have a measure of his heart is what you're saying. Right. And so a polygraph I think can, is, is similar. Like if he does a polygraph and he's willing and he's open to it and he's humble then you can see that he's a trustworthy man. Um, I guess what I'm what 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 I'm trying to say is, if he does a polygraph and he passes, it doesn't mean that he's a trustworthy man. If he goes in and he he answers some questions and then he comes out of that polygraph test and he's shut down emotionally, he's turning tables on you still. He's crazy making. Um, it, it, all of a sudden, trust in the relationship doesn't come from that polygraph test. I think there's an opportunity for Spike to sneak in with, with um, both the betrayed and the addicted to perpetuate um, the, uh, to perpetuate shame about a polygraph. Meaning when I'm, when I'm in shame, when I have Spike have my ear, I'm, I'm not thinking in reality, right? Right. Like Spike is feeding me fiction. And I, and I think when, 
when a partner, and, and I want to be really clear when I talk about the women who've been betrayed, the people who've been betrayed, like my heart goes out to them, to you, Ashlyn, for the hurt that you've experienced. And I'm not going to really understand what that's like, but I can really try and I can see how it's like, look, I'm, I'm so devastated, so hurt. I want truth and I want to understand that, that maybe this, this polygraph will be the means to, to getting this, Absolutely. putting this behind us. And I'm scared and I don't feel safe and I want to feel safe. So we're going to continue to do this like who, ongoing. Who got married on the day that you got married that you thought, one day I'm going to ask my spouse for a lie detector test. Totally. Right? Yeah. Nobody gets married and, and feels like one day I'm going to have that level of unsafety in my life, in yeah. my relationship, that I'm going to be asking for a lie detector test. So, yeah, it's it's really um, – it's it's really sad. It's it's heartbreaking just to even yeah. consider. And I think that's where that's where when Spike knows our emotional triggers, when he knows our, our our weak points and our insecurities, especially, he will exploit those and feed his fiction. And I think that's when a lie detector test can perpetuate more fear and can be an open door for more Spike narrative, for more fiction. Um, on wait, I, I I might be triggered about something that I saw. In, or, or heard someone say in group or might be triggered by something I saw on TV and all of a sudden I'm thinking, wait, is my partner really being honest with me because of something that I experienced outside of my relationship? Right. And I, and I think that's kind of the unfair part about it from, from just the perspective of the, of the betrayed. Um, if there's too much stock that's put in that as like an ongoing activity moving forward because I think what they really just want is safety and trust and I think that can be built – Without like, it. Like real safety and trust real without ongoing trust. lie detector totally. tests. And if a guy's doing a, a, a polygraph as well, it can very much be done from a place of shame. So I, what, what you're saying is real safety and real trust is a thing. Yeah. It actually exists and it can be rebuilt. Yeah. Right? Totally. So and, I mean, it, we're evidence that it can. Right, yes. Ashlyn? No question <laughs> yes. that it can. I see it every single day. And, and, and so I don't... You know, I, the analogy I always give is is about the, uh, you know, the spouse walking across the pond, and um, so she's walking across a frozen pond, mm-hmm. and you know, if she has to check every step to see how thick that ice is, like to make sure that she's safe and not going to fall through, is she really that safe? Um, no, she's she's in, in anxiety, she's in fear, totally. she could fall through at any time, and so you know, you got to step off of that pond, sit on the shoreline. And watch to see how thick that ice gets. So then you can hop right on that ice and skate around and, and feel safe. Um, it's the same concept here. Is mm-hmm. if you're you know a, a, a lie detector. You know I've known somebody who's done three lie detector tests and eight full disclosures with their spouse. And at that point, like they're they're just spinning in that fear cycle over and over again. And either she's stuck in anxiety in the fear cycle, or he's stuck in the lying and. He's not, he's not actually being honest or they're in this case, they're probably both stuck in it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but you know, whether if your spouse asks you for a lie detector test or a full disclosure, I just want to say this, um, for the addicted, you you run it through this filter, you run it through the filter of, okay, I want to be honest. Like first and foremost, I'm going to make sure that I'm willing to be honest. Mm -hmm. Secondly, um, I, I need to be empathetic. I need if she's totally. asking me, me for this, then I need to connect to her fear as to why she's asking me. And then you need to be consistent in that honesty and that empathy, 
right? And if you're if you do those three things, she could ask you to fly to the moon and <laughs> take a lie detector, do a full disclosure. If you're consistently honest and ep- empathetic, you will build trust again in your relationship. Trust and safety are kind of like little building blocks that are small, like Legos. In building a house, it takes a ton of little small Legos to build this this you know eighteen inch high house. And every time a daily is executed, every time um, a boundary is kept, every time a question is answered honestly, as painful as some of those instances might be, they're little they're little Lego building blocks in building the foundation of safety and trust to build walls that can stand and last. And I think that taking the approach of watching behavior, right? I mean, Ashton, I think I, I think this the safety and trust that 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 grew from in our relationship came from you observing me. Right. And honestly, doing. I'm thinking right now as you're talking, we're two days away from going on a trip to Disneyland. Yeah. And this two days before going on a trip to Disneyland three years ago was when he disclosed his second affair. Wow. And to go go through that experience and and feel like hopeless, right? Right. And and now to go through we've been to Disneyland since and had a redo Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're going again with a ton of safety and trust. And so it can be done by exactly what you're saying. We set really clear boundaries Mm -hmm. for each other. Yeah. And for ourselves, um, we had an in-house separation where I really was able to look in the mirror, focus on me and stop pointing my finger at you mm-hmm. and watch. And I was, and, and, and it was very clear to me the things that I needed to do to rebuild safety and trust. I knew that she wasn't, didn't feel safe because I was in the basement of the house. Right. And, and, but, but I also knew, man, no matter my own, my own, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. And so my own eternal salvation was in the balance, in my opinion, right? Because I just something I said I would never do, but I just did it again, and and so I knew no matter if Ashton stayed with me or not, I had to get this taken care of. Like I had to really change myself, and and so I took all the energy, like I took all the energy that I felt from the the lack of safety and the total chaos in our in our relationship, and I poured that into day to day things, living boundaries, and just focus and mental effort on executing, and those were the building blocks that has provided us lasting safety like in our marriage. Right. And I don't think that anything that we experience now, the safety and the trust that we feel like Ashlyn was gone this week from Monday until Thursday night. And it was a really important growing experience for me um, for a number of reasons, just in the role of dad, but it was a great experience as far as recovery is concerned as an added indicator of like, you can live life right? and you can live it safely in recovery. And, and I did. And it was anxious. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so it, it was just, I guess it was the habitual way that I lived and being really, really boundaried. That was the evidence that no polygraph could ever give. I, I want to speak to, you know, what can the betrayed do in, in order to help safety start to be created in the relationship without, um, without insisting on a polygraph test. And I really like the the word observe because that's it's a really hard thing to do is after you've been hurt and when you're in a lot of pain and fear is to sit back and observe. It's, well, your first reaction is go and do something. Yeah, Why aren't you doing it, this? Change it. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> or hide. You, you don't observe. You, you go run the other way. Yeah. 
So it's it's the opposite thing of what you really desire to do. Um, but that's it's really helpful because you disconnect from his addiction. You realize that you you can't work his addiction for him. Um, and and if you try to, if you get too involved, you'll you'll actually get in his way, and you won't know whether or not he's manning up in his own recovery. If if you're 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 gaining trust in your ability to force him to work his recovery, right? So you observe, you you back off and you observe. Um, but while you do that, you make sure that you have your own healthy boundaries. It, you you have to have those healthy boundaries so that you can observe. Observing doesn't doesn't mean that you just sit there and you take abuse from him, that you accept um, him breaking your truths and being unfaithful to you, for example. Um, you you still have boundaries, so you know what's in your control, and you know how you can do self care outside of him. So you observe his recovery, you watch it, you have your healthy boundaries, and you practice your self care outside of him. And, and it's actually really healthy that you separate from him a little bit in terms of knowing that your peace and happiness can be independent of him um, so that, so that you, you don't have to force a polygraph. Um, you don't have to um, force him to work his recovery. You work on your recovery and then watch and see if he's going to work his and fight for your, your family and fight for your relationship. Love it. Super good. Yeah. Super good. Hard to do. It's it's good it's good for me to say that, but I work with women um, all the all the time in my groups and everything, and it it goes against our our natural response. It's uncomfortable, right? very uncomfortable. But so, it is the, I mean, you have to take one step forward to to see change and to feel that. Absolutely. So you got to back off some a little bit. So it's all worth it. It's all worth the effort. That's for sure, and it's possible. I love when I see a wife start to work on herself and start to get really, really healthy and empowered. And, and you know what? Sometimes she ends up divorced because of it, because she's doing so well in her own recovery. And I love to see her do so well. What I really love to see is when she does so well and he does so well and they come together and the relationship really works because both of them are taking ownership of their own recoveries and the, and they're not they're not waiting for the other person to be honest enough. They're not totally. waiting. They they are working on them and moving forward. That's awesome. So, very cool. So guys, um, thanks for being here. If you have heard anything that you enjoyed, you know, please go ahead and share this. Um, if uh, we'd love to have a review from you, that also helps disseminate the word about the podcast. So thanks for being here, and uh, we'll see you again. See you guys.